You are listening to a sermon podcast from Kingdom City. We pray that over the next few moments, you will be blessed, equipped, and empowered to bring the reality of God to your world. Come on, Kingdom City, let's give Him praise in this place. We praise you, God. We worship you. You are the God of miracles. We thank you, Lord, that we can feel you in the service or wherever we're watching online or in Penang right now. We come against every distraction, confusion, any spirit that would try to twist my words, take it out of context. We forbid that to happen in the name of Jesus. We pray this word will be protected. It will be received the way you want it to be received, Lord. That truth will come to us, that we will have a revelation, that we will move closer and and to that next level that you have for us. In Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. You can take your seats and let's just welcome everybody online watching us and Penang. Pastor Rudy is there with the uh, team there and uh, our church, our family there. It's so good to have them. And anyone else online, welcome. Well, next week is Miracle Offering. And it's the first time we are doing this in Malaysia in two years, I believe. Uh, or at least in KL, we haven't done it since 2019. And so there's something powerful when we all gather together in the room to give. In fact, Miracle Offering is one of my favorite services because the presence of God is unbelievable. It's like we do have the God in every service, don't get me wrong. However, when a group of people decide to sacrifice and fast and, and seek God, God can't help but show up in a stronger way. So even when you're in the car park, it will hit you because you will feel this presence like you've never felt before. It's a great service to bring the unchurched to. We've had people bring their bosses or business people to our service, and they have given Money, they don't even believe in God and they have given money. And many have found uh, Christ or have found Jesus in that service. It doesn't even make sense. You know, we're talking about giving and miracles, but there is just that presence there. So let me encourage you, ask the Holy Spirit, who can you bring even on Friday night when we gather in Connects? And by the way, that's not going to be online. So if you're not in a Connect, you won't get access to this incredible um, night that we have planned for you. Go to the info desk, find a Connect group, get into a home and bring somebody who doesn't know the Lord. Just bring, hey, do you want to come to my friend's house? Uh, we're going to watch this show and about causes and, and maybe have some food. Who knows? Maybe that night, will change their life forever. So just ask the Lord about it. But with Miracle Offering coming up in this season, I always find that there's this voice that speaks so loudly to me uh, leading up to it. I'm normally not really aware of shopping. I'm quite busy. But I just somehow think a lot about shopping during the MO season. You know, um, suddenly all these ads are coming up whether they're on YouTube or TV or Instagram, of things that I definitely need. Now, I may not use them, but this voice is telling me, you need this, you want this, this is yours. Even in KL as we're in a shopping mall, it is so hard during MO season to leave the auditorium and not hear Zara talk to me. Come to me, you need me. You need to give your money to me. I'm like, no, I don't. And there's this struggle that I don't get any other time of year. 
only during miracle offering. What is that voice? Well, in Matthew 6, 24, it says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Today, I want to talk to you about the contest between two masters, mammon's madness and God's goodness. Now, mammon, according to the Bible's dictionary, is originally an Aramaic word, meaning riches, earthly goods, property, and wealth. It's actually a neutral word that they used to use. So there's nothing bad about the word mammon. So there's nothing bad about property, earthly goods, and wealth. However, there has been a spirit that has been attached to mammon. It is called the spirit of mammon, and it attaches itself to property, wealth, and good earthly goods, and that's when it can affect us. There are many secular websites that talk about the spirit of mammon. I was amazed as I was researching for this message how many websites offer to show me how to negotiate with the spirit of mammon, how to have him come in and have a chat with him, what tea to offer him, what day to talk to him, and what he will do for me. Listen to some of these websites and how they describe the, um, the spirit of mammon. These are not Christian websites. The spirit mammon is an expert in money matters, and he can help you obtain wealth and riches. Mammon is on an earth spirit. Uh, Mammon is an earth spirit, very linked to earthly matters like money, precious metals, and gems. This spirit will help you obtain wealthy matters. Mammon is very strict and demanding. It will ask you for material wealth and riches you will need to make rich offerings for. He will multiply each offering by a hundred for the one who honors him. Now that there is just plain plagiarism. Like seriously, devil, come up with your own material. Like what do you do, just copy God? Like you are not a creator. Mammon is the demon lord of wealth and abundance, a demon of commerce and financial prosperity. Mammon is the demon that understands all things concerning money. He understands business, he understands the mindset of wealth creation, and he understands how to build businesses. He can reveal the secrets of prosperity and living a life of pure abundance. Doesn't that sound like some motivational uh, speaker? He appears in Marvel. Yeah. Marvel comic series, The Spirit of Mammon, was bound by Dr. Strange in the bronze statue called the Charging Bull, which is actually located on Wall Street. There is an actual bull on Wall Street called the Charging Bull. And in the Marvel series, they use this where Dr. Strange somehow binds up the spirit of Mammon and puts him in there. And after Strange's death, he asks Spider-Man to help him keep um, the spirit of Mammon inside this statue of bronze. Yeah, so dumb. Anyway, Other websites say Mammon's greatest power is the influence he can exert over the human mind and heart. He inspires envy, greed, and lust so potent that even good men can be driven to corruption. Usually Mammon's evil grip leads to obsession. Once you fall under his spell, you will struggle to focus on anything other than the treasure he has used to tempt you. And you will do almost anything to get your hands on it. Because of this ability to monopolize a person's energy, many theologians describe Mammon as enslaving 
to men. The spirit of mammon is real. The enemy talks about it. The Bible talks about it. It is real. And there's three things that the spirit of mammon can't stand about us or what we do uh, or how we live. The first one is, is that um, he hates it when we trust God for provision. When we trust God for provision, he cannot stand that. When you put your trust in God rather than what's going around about you. When you're not trusting money. When you're not trusting him. Second thing he hates is he hates it when we give extravagantly to Jesus. He doesn't like that. He doesn't want to, you to give a lot to Jesus. He wants you to give a lot to him. To his shops. To his things. To his technology. And he hates it when we get blessed by God. He hates this when some other source blesses us rather than him being able to control us. There's three spirits that hang out with mammon. When we trust God provision, the spirit of pride becomes powerless. Pride hangs around mammon. When we give extravagantly to Jesus, the demon of greed loses out. Greed hangs out with mammon. And when we get blessed by God, the poverty spirit disappears. Poverty hangs out with mammon. So mammon is not just for the wealthy people. So don't just sit there and go, ah, yeah, it's not for me. This is for all the wealthy people. No, no, no. The spirit of mammon attacks everybody of every income level, wherever you are, of every race, anything. There are three examples of mammon's madness that I want to talk about. Three biblical examples. If you read the Bible carefully, you will find there is a whole lot of examples of where mammon manifests. Once you understand the way he talks, you'll be shocked at how much uh, he is in the Bible. But the first story I'm going to tell you about is how mammon influenced the rich ruler to trust mammon instead of God. Luke 18 verse 18 says, now a certain ruler asked him saying, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why don't you call me good? No one is good, but one that is God. You know the commandment, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and money, mother. And he said, sorry, actually just going to make this a little bigger. My eyes are just getting a little bit old. Oh, no, I cancel that in Jesus' name. 21-year-old eyes, 21-year-old eyes. Where am I? And he said, all these things I've kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful, for he was rich. When this young ruler responded to Jesus in the way he did, it was mammon that actually talked, the spirit of mammon and pride. It was, I've done all these things. I've done everything. What else? What else needs to happen? Because I clearly have kept every commandment. And Jesus knew at that moment he was addressing the spirit of mammon in him. Unfortunately, this verse has been taken out of context. Everybody thinks, oh, you got to sow everything to serve. No, Jesus was attacking the spirit of mammon that was attached to this man. And because this spirit was so strongly entwined into him, he was unable to break free from it and trust God rather than his wealth. 
And because of that, his destiny was stolen. You see, the enemy will do everything he can to steal our destinies, what he has for us in God. Maybe this man was supposed to be the greatest disciple right next to Peter. Maybe he was supposed to launch all these churches in Asia Minor. We don't know what this man's destiny was supposed to be because he didn't do it because he chose the spirit of mammon and pride rather than God. The enemy is out to steal your destiny. And the way he can do it is through pride and through the spirit of mammon coming together. You know, I'm astounded at uh, people who uh, sometimes we talk about coming on team at Kingdom City. And, you know, Kingdom City is, um, well, it's now a global organization. It's a church. It's a school. It's a nonprofit organization. I mean, there's everything. But uh, sometimes people just think, tend to think that we're just a local church. And so when uh, we hire people or we go to hire people, a lot of the questions are, uh, what is my wage? I don't know if I can afford to be a church worker. Um, I, I, my family, um, they're quite concerned about me doing church. They think I'm going to be poor for the rest of my life. I'm like, what? Like, first off, we're a global organization and, uh, our team travel all over the world. We are one of the best in technology. We have secular companies that come to us and ask us how we do things. I'm not sure why you think you're going to be poor, but anyway, and they, you can see this struggle that they have and they go, well, pastor, you know, I could earn a lot more money, um, somewhere else. I'm like, join the club. We all can, but we chose to worship God and to focus on him and to do what he has called us to do, not trust in money, not trust in riches, because they will come and go. And I've often told our team, it's so much better to be blessed by God than man. When God opens the way, and we have stories after stories of our team, where God has opened the door and given them incredible blessing that no man could do because they've trusted in God. You know, when we give extravagantly to Jesus, oh, mammon manifests. He manifested, he reacted to Mary when she poured the perfume over Jesus in John 12, verse 3. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Judas manifested the spirit of mammon and greed at that moment. He was like, what is this? Why is she pouring expensive? Why did she have to get expensive? She could have done cheap. Would have made no difference. She could have done maybe the medium, but no, she had to get the most expensive bottle of perfume. And that could have fed so many people. But really, he didn't care. He was coming from the motivation of greed. Imagine your wage. One year's wage, whatever you earn, think about your, your, how much you earn in one year, all, everything. And you spent that on a bottle of liquid. And then you pour that over somebody. Oh, some of you right now can hear Spirit of Mammon talking to you and going, well, that's just ridiculous. You would never do that. That's just such a waste. That is so um, irresponsible. You can hear your mother's voice in your head right now. What are you doing, huh? 
so irresponsible. And you know, she could have used that. See, Mammon was annoyed. He wasn't annoyed that she spent that money. No, 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 no. He was annoyed who she spent the money on. Because if she'd spent the money on herself to attract men, oh, he would have been okay with that. But she spent money on the man that died for her sins and set her free. That is our God. And when we give extravagantly, we go against that spirit of greed and against the spirit of mammon. It's against the goals he has for our life. You know, spirit of mammon, he, he talks to me. You know, I'll be honest. Like, if you're sitting here feeling guilty, look, he's talked to all of us, okay? He has convos with all of us. And he was talking one year, you know, I was a little bit worried because we were giving miracle offering. And back in the early years when we had not so many cities, we used to decide an amount and we would give that same amount to every city. And uh, this one year, it was the most we'd ever given. And we had uh, done Perth's miracle offering. And then we had done Singapore's miracle offering. In fact, when we were finished with Singapore's offering, we'd come home that night to the hotel and our phone rang and it was our security from our um, house in Australia had been broken into. We actually had to send Blake over there with a bat. <laughs> he was the only one that would answer his phone. None of the other staff did. And so he goes, it's okay, Pastor Mark. I'm there with a bat, you know. And by the time he got there, they'd already left. But anyway, so we'd been robbed. We'd given twice to two cities, and we we're about to come to KL and give the same amount. So I was listening to Mammon going, what are we doing? Do we really have to do that? You know, we've already given to two. Like, you know, is it just being a little bit overboard giving? And uh, I remember going, God, could you just do something? You know, like, just bless us, because I just don't, you know, I just got a little worried, to be honest. And uh, we got a phone call from us a modeling agency. We had put our sons in this modeling agency months ago and we'd forgotten about it and they rang and they wanted Caleb uh, to model. And so we went one Thursday and uh, we worked all day, me and Pastor Mark, getting Caleb to kiss a Malaysian woman <laughs> for the milk Dugros. I think they have a picture there. There we go. That is Caleb. Actually, Caleb refused to kiss her, so they put a balloon there instead. And uh, they did that, and then they photoshopped uh, that in. I think it'd be different now, but anyway, back then, he was not going to do it. Anyway, the amount of money that came in was the same amount of money that we had pledged to the city that was the same as the others. And we could go down to that miracle offering. I remember going down at the Luther Center and go, Caleb, this is your good looks right here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I, you gave me a handsome son. And there was something about the joy of giving extravagantly and knowing that God had provided for it. I've told them to take him to the modeling uh, agency this week because Emmo's coming up. And uh, we need it. Actually, to be honest, we got a lot of payment from that over the years because he was on uh, the LDP on a big billboard. When I almost crashed one day, I looked up, he was there. And then in Wanutama, on this big thing, he, he's been there for a few years. Um, I get pictures from our pastors who go to islands around Asia and they see him in the, in the shopping, uh, in the <laughs> supermarkets there. They're like, Caleb is famous. I said, yeah, he thinks that. Okay. Number three is, Mammon hates it when we get blessed by God. 
There's a story about Isaac in the Bible. In fact, if you read the Bible, you'll notice a lot of God's generals in the Bible, a lot of the people that worked for him were very, very wealthy. Genesis 26, 12 says Isaac planted crops in that land and the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. The man became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. So all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up filling them with earth. Then Abimelech said to Isaac, move away from us. You have become too powerful for us. Abimelech and Isaac were friends. But once Isaac started getting blessed, the friendship started to get tense. And they started attacking the wells of his father. And so they wanted to get rid of him and get out of him. He was a very, very wealthy man. Why did Mammon and the poverty spirit manifest at this time? Because mammon and poverty cannot stand it when men and women of God get blessed, get kingdom, that get blessed from the kingdom of heaven, they get blessed with resources so that they can resource the kingdom. That's why mammon does so much effort. He, he, so much effort in the media, everywhere to criticize, to pull down, to condemn. It causes fear. And he tries to get us to agree with the spirit of poverty so that we will miss out on blessings on our life. You know, when you agree with the spirit of poverty, you take yourself out of the blessing of God. And sometimes we are born into that. We are born into the spirit of poverty and we don't understand that we are under it. We have to break it in Jesus' name, break that curse over our life. There have been stories after stories of amazing millionaires and billionaires who loved Jesus, who God mightily blessed. And uh, some of those um, millionaires, you have their products in your home right now, like William Colgate's Colgate. And uh, we've got the Oats Company as well, the Oakers, I think, uh, the Quakers, Quakers, uh, even Guinness, apparently. Yeah. I was like, oh, really? Okay. We won't use that as an example, but anyway, Guinness uh, loved the Lord and tithe. But in 1888, there was a man born called R.G. Latundur, and uh, he left school at 14, and at 16, he wanted to be a pastor. And he went to his pastor and said, I want to be a pastor. And his pastor said to them, you know, God also needs good Christian businessmen too. So he decided to go down the path of business. Now, he didn't do very well. He got into debt. And he was $100,000 US in debt. This is in the 1920s and 30s. Like this is like today's would be a lot more. And um, when he was in debt, the year that he owed 100000 he had made a pledge to his church for their miracle offering for 5000 U.S. Now, that, too, is a lot for back then. That's a lot for now, but back then. And uh, his pastor was like, oh, it's okay. You know, we understand your position. He was like, no, I am going to fulfill the pledge that I made for this, missions, this miracle missions offering. And so he did that year despite being in debt. Well... He ended up inventing earth-moving machinery. If you ever see any earth-moving machinery, it's probably him that invented it. 70% of the earth-moving equipment 
that he designed was used in World War II. In 1938, his profit was $1.4 million. And at that moment, his wife came to him and said, I've got a radical idea. Why don't we, and this is before anyone had done this, why don't we live on 10% and give 90% to the Lord? And he was like, okay, let's do it. So they made a decision that year that they would live on 10 and give 90 to the Lord. By 1959, he had given 10 million US dollars to missions. His net worth was $40 million. He purchased airplanes for the ministries, universities. He started schools um, and a, a couple of mission organizations. He hired three chaplains for his company. And he used to pay his workers if they would attend Bible study during lunch. Yeah, that's how he got them. He said, you, wanna, you, you come to Bible study, we will pay you. So they got paid. Um, and many of them were led to Christ because of that. He lived by Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. In fact, that is inscribed in his, on his tombstone. And because of his reputation for giving, his colleagues used to call him God's businessman. They started calling him, oh, it's God's businessman. He is quoted, quoted as saying, it's not how much of my money I give to God, but how much of God's money I keep for myself. That is somebody that God could trust. Someone who was not under the spirit of poverty, the spirit of mammon, but understood the blessings of God. And his legacy, legacy still lives on today. There's um, evidence of the spirit of mammon talking to us. And I'm going to say some examples. And this might resonate with you, may not. Reactions to a blessing. When someone says, wow, uh, you have such a nice new car. Pride reacts by saying, yeah, it's the latest model, Proton X50, yeah? It has all the upgrades. Real leather seats, not PU. Talks to me, even gives me messages when I drive, uh, massages when I drive. I paid 200K for this. Poverty reacts by saying, oh, this car, oh, it wasn't that much. We, we had to buy it off a family member who was going through deep financial trouble. We had to help them out, but it's not that good and it's just cheaply made. Greed reacts by saying, yeah, take your shoes off when you get in and don't ask me to borrow it. The spirit of pride does not acknowledge God for his blessing. The spirit of poverty makes you ashamed of the blessing of God. And the spirit of greed causes you to hold on to all that we have or, or want more. Number two is the feelings of comparison is some evidence that mammon has influence on us. Pride thinks, my new car is so much better than pastor's old Myvi. So glad I'm not a church worker. So quiet, huh? I think I've said some of your thoughts. Poverty says, hey, uh, this car's still not as nice as my sister-in-law's who got keyless entry. I still have to use a key. Greed thinks, really need to upgrade those tire rims. I see Jackson has them and they look really good. So um, just not quite the look I want yet. So I need to spend some money on that. Side note, Jackson once picked me up in his Proton. And I also had a conversation with Mammon and uh, poverty as well when I got out of that car. And uh, I asked boss to buy me, uh, Pastor Mark to buy me that car, but yeah, 
I'm still waiting. Never mind, I'll just keep doing grab. Pride causes us to compare ourselves with others. Poverty causes us to compare others with ourselves. Greed doesn't care about others, but wants more. Another evidence is the motivation of our giving to God. Greed believes, I'll give, but God, you better give me double portion back so I can buy those new rims on the car. Give me my miracle for my needs. Poverty believes, I can't afford to give too much. It's just not a good time, you know? Too many bills, too many expenses, you know, and I've just got this new car and it's cost me money for registration. I just cannot overdo it in this season. And, you know, COVID might come back, might have lockdown again. I need some, so just cannot. So I can only give a little. And pride says, yeah, I'm not sure I can trust this church to give what they say. Where's their proof? would rather give to an organization where I can see the receipts and not sure I can give as a, I may need some extra cash for my new car if it breaks down. Greed gives to get, poverty gives little out of guilt, and pride refuses to give. Have any of these voices ever talked to you? Don't have to feel condemned. It's the enemy talking, not you. You know, one time I was in this service and uh, there was a, a speaker speaking on tithes and offerings. And uh, the night before I had won a, a dare. And I was a youth pastor at the time and a poor Bible college student. So if anyone's giving me a dare and going to pay me money, I will do it. And of course I did it and I made some money. So I was pretty excited and thought I'm going to spend this money on um, some clothes. I'd already worked out what I wanted to do with it. And I gone to church that night before going out shopping. And as the offering talk is being given, I hear the Lord say to me, hey, I want you to give that money that you won last night in the offering. I'm like, suddenly poverty, greed, and pride jumped into the same seat with me. And poverty goes, why should you give? You're a Bible college student. You only earn part-time. You have no money. Your whole life is an offering. I'm like, yeah, my whole life's an offering, God. Why should I give? My whole life is a sacrifice to you. It's a whole offering to you. And then greed said, you need those clothes. You never spend any money. You need that. You got that extra money for you because you need clothes. And I was like, yeah, I need clothes, God. I never spend money on clothes, but now I can spend money. And then pride said to me, why should you give to this church? You don't know this church. You don't know what they'll do with the funds. Why don't you just wait till you go back to your church and uh, give the money in the offering there? I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. I'm like, hey God, um, I'm not going to give to this church because I don't know these people. I don't know what they do with their funds. So um, I'll just wait till I get back to my church and I'll put the money in there. I'll tell you, God rebuked me so strongly and said, you don't give to a church, you give to me. And if I told you to give, you need to trust me. And then he said, and you have no idea what you're giving into. So I sat there and I'm struggling with this giving and the offering container starts to come down. You know, it was a bucket and you could, in the corner of my eye, I could see it. And my heart is beating. And I'm like, should I give? I don't know if I should give, you know, and getting louder and louder and then finally it ends up on my lap and I'm like 
Fine. Get it out. Throw it in. And then it goes away. Bye. Bye, dress. Bye, Zara. See you. I really did have no idea what I was giving into because that offering was going to a church that would become my church, Kingdom City. And the host, the, the MC that was speaking would end up becoming my husband, Pastor Mark. And the land that I was in would end up becoming my home, Malaysia. I had no idea. But I tell you what, if I had failed that test, I wouldn't be standing here today. Poor Pastor Mark would be still single. <laughs> but seriously, I felt the Lord test me. Would she test me? Would she trust me with 50 ringgit? It was only 50 ringgit. Would she trust me with 50 ringgit? Because later I'm going to ask her to leave her family, to leave her home, to leave her job, to leave her land and go to a land she doesn't know, to go with people she's never met before. Will she trust me? Because one day I'm going to have her trust me when her husband is in and out and she's in all different lands and doesn't know the schedule or what's going on. Will she trust me? Because one day she won't have one home, but she will have different homes and she'll always be a piece of home missing wherever she is. Does she trust me for that? And I just thank God that as a child, I was always taught that when the voice of the Lord comes and tells you to give, no matter how crazy it is or stupid or ridiculous, I've been taught that I must respond, that I must give. And so I gave out of my upbringing was in me. We need to teach our children how to give. It needs to be in us. It, needs to, it was at that moment that even though there was a struggle, God's voice overcame because I knew that at the end of the day, whenever I give to God, I never lack. And every time His voice has said, give, give what's in your wallet, give this amount, give. I, God has always come through time and time again. And so I go back to Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. My question to you today is, who will you choose to serve? Because the spirit of mammon is in direct contrast to the spirit of God. I titled this the contest between two masters, mammon's madness and God's goodness. Mammon focuses on life's problems. Jesus solves life's problems. Mammon wants servants. God wants family. Mammon's voice is confusion. God's voice is peace. Mammon says, don't give. God says, give. Mammon says, buy and keep. God says, sow and reap. Mammon says, cheat and steal. God says, give and receive. Mammon promises significance. God makes your life significant. Mammon says, money is your security. God says, I am who I am. He is your security. He is your strong tower. Mammon says, he will give you identity. Jesus says, you are complete in him. Mammon says, he will make you independent. God says, depend on him for all your needs. Mammon is selfish. God is generous. Mammon says, he will make you powerful. Jesus says, his name is powerful. And Mammon flees at the sound of his voice. Mammon says he will give you freedom. Jesus paid the price for your freedom. There's 
no contest. The cross won. The cross demands a victory. Who is your master? Decide today. It's time to tell Mammon and his friends to leave. Trust to return. Extravagant giving to begin and blessings to be received. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you have never entered into a relationship with Jesus, we want you to know that He loves you very much. So much that He died on the cross for all of your sins that stood between you and God. If you would like to make a decision to follow Jesus today, all you need to do is to repeat this prayer. Dear God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I admit that I'm not right with you and I want to be right with you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me and making me your child. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or if God has done anything in your life because of this podcast, we would love to know. Email us at testimony at kingdomcity.com.